Welcome to the Mojo Studios Podcast. It's time to turn down the deluge of distractions and put yourself in a mindset of receptivity and growth. Absorb, digest, apply, repeat. Dinner is served. Hey, we are live. This is Mojo at Mojo Studio with my good friend, Lee Free, or Free Lee, or as I like to call him, Hemi. You can see that right there on his screen. Why do you say, why, why do I call you Hemi, Lee? How, where did that come from? Well, I'm not exactly sure why you call me Hemi. We were fans of a movie called... Strange oh, Brew. Called? Strange Brew. And <laughs> they, used to, they used to call each other Hoser. And so for some reason, Joe reminded me of hoser and I, I guess because jose you know spanish jose is joe right so i called you right. hoser that's my logic but i do not know where you came up with hemi your response to hoser is hemi that's right and i'm not sure why either but it, it works <laughs> so, so why did we are you, bob why and did you ask me how, how am i supposed <laughs> to know if you don't even know well, I needed you to remember that you didn't remember so I could remember that, oh yeah, that was my name. I came up with that name. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And, and then listeners are going, so what? And why yeah, are you right. talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I just want to welcome our listeners back to our, our latest uh, episode. This is number five in the series of God Moments. God Moments comes from the title of Lee's book, which he has written and yet to publish. Um, and it's really some wonderful um, reflections of everyday life when God reveals himself to Lee, not in some spectacular, miraculous way, although it really is, but in the everyday walking and talking and at the beach or in the grass or at a movie or wherever that might be. If you've been following us at all, you know we've taken a hiatus. What happened here, and I'm going to let Lee talk to it a little bit more in specifics, but Lee just said, hey, I need a break. Um, not I'm not doing so well and I'm like man how what's going on how can I pray for you so just give the listeners a little view of, of what you've been through the last couple of weeks or a few weeks yeah well so my wife and I have been uh, ministering at a church in Tulsa and uh, we really love it and uh, they love us but uh, tra a transition time came and <clears throat> and it was like uh, a, a time for us to kind of leave the staff of the church and it was like uh, stepping up to a a cliff and not knowing where you know not knowing what was next and so it it, it kind of put especially being the man and being responsible for taking care of my wife and my family i just could not see what was next it's really the first time i've always said kind of a plan you know a vision for what's next and i have i had and had zero idea of what's next and it man it just really threw me and kind of put me into what the classic spiritual spiritual uh, writers called the dark night of the soul. And it was very intense and palatable, fear and anxiety. And uh, so, yeah, so about a couple of months of that. And the, the epilogue is, I'm not, I'm not there anymore, but, uh, but I still don't have, <laughs> I still don't have any, uh, any knowledge of what's next after today, but the Lord has just said, Lee, Right now, at this moment in time, we're going to take it one day at a time, 
you just need to stay close to me. And so I wake up every morning and I, I talk to him and I say, okay, what do you want me to do today? And that's how we're getting through it. It's a pretty sweet time. Uh, it's peaceful now. And it's definitely a time of sensing a real closeness to the father. Wow. Uh, Lee was telling me about his journey. And just yesterday I was uh, listening to different podcasts. And one of them that came up was a discussion between two guys about a book by C.S. Lewis called Screwtape Letters. And for anybody listening, whether you're a believer or not, if you haven't read the Screwtape Letters, it's a it's an amazing nonfiction uh, no fictional book about two characters, uh, one named Screwtape, who is a demon, and he's the uncle of his nephew Wormwood. And the book is really letters from Screwtape to Wormwood, giving giving Wormwood ideas on how to distract his Christian, which he, that he's been assigned to, uh, to keep them from growing in their relationship with God. But what jumped out at me yesterday, because of what Lee has said even this morning, is that one of the themes in the book, which comes up a couple times, is keeping the believer uh, focused on the future is one of the schemes of the devil, because by keeping them focused on the future, they get full of anxiety and worry and concern, and they're so concerned about what might happen, which is really all just imagination, that they lose track of what is happening, which is where God is, because God is ever-present, right? Ever-present yeah. in times of trouble, the Bible would say, not ever-future or even ever-past. <laughs> God is ever-present. And I think, wow, that's it's remarkable to see the, see the uh, reflection on the book and then hear you say in your own life that part of the anxiety that you were feeling, uh, which really was very palatable, like you said, was because you weren't sure what the future holds. And God's antidote for that was, we'll stay in the present, because that's where I am. Yeah. It's kind of like driving in the fog. You just, there's just no way of knowing what's, you know, 10 feet out. So you just got to look at that yellow line <laughs> and stay in the That's lane. right. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I remember uh, driving up to Big Bear, which you're familiar with, not too far from where I live, for a camp one winter, and the fog was so thick. Not only could I not see out the window, I actually had to open up the door and look down so I could see the line, uh, the middle line of the street down on the road right next yeah. to the car. I, could, I couldn't see him through the windshield. And this is a place for people who haven't been there. This is a road that if you get too far to the right, you go over the cliff. It's hundreds of feet down to the next. So it was it was very serious stuff. But, man, I did keep hyper-focused on the line, the stripe that was going past my door. That's for sure. <laughs> You attend to what's close to you, which is really important. Absolutely, yeah. Or who's close to you, even more important, right? That's right. In past episodes, we have gone through God Moment chapter by chapter uh, in the order that Lee had compiled them. But Lee texted me yesterday and said, hey, I just I got a new one. I wrote one, which I know he hadn't done for a couple of months because of what he'd been through. So I read through it, and I thought, oh, this is perfect. This is very appropriate considering Father's Day is right around the corner. So I'm going to read this brand new, never been published God moment. And then Lee and I will discuss uh, where this came from. So this one uh, starts out in quotes, babe, sit down, sit down. My grandkids have chosen to address me with the same term of endearment my wife uses. This particular moment, River, age two, was inviting babe to recline in a beach chair at her lakeside spa. How could I refuse? The treatment begins. Fill a bucket of water, pour it into Babe's knee. Fill a bucket of sand, pour it on Babe's knee. Rub, rub, rub. Repeat. River was in her element. Lake, sun, bucket, and a grown-up grown playmate. I'm not going to lie, though. 
the exfoliation was starting to get redundant, and soon my knee would need a skin graft. <laughs> At that moment, Father God came to mind. He's big and busy and doesn't need anything from me. His intelligence engineered and operates the entire universe. What could I possibly have to say that would surprise or even interest him? Yet he pursues me, enters my tiny world, actually wants to spend time with me. He counts my hairs, collects my tears, protects me and leads me in the good life. Why? For the same reason grandpas bake in the sun with their granddaughters. For the same reason moms spend 16-hour shifts changing diapers, listening to toddler talk, and cutting up chicken nuggets into minuscule pieces. Condescending love. Not the kind of love that exists in reciprocity. The kind of love that flows in a downward direction from the higher to the lower, from the greater to the smaller, from the intelligent to the simple, from progenitor to offspring. Great word. God, the ultimate parent, doesn't depend on us, doesn't need us to give him anything. He created us to be the recipients of his love. Today, he is bending low to reach into your life. Your best response? Let him. Receive from him the kindness, forgiveness, provision, affirmation, guidance he desires to give you. Don't be embarrassed at the inequity of it. He is a lover. That's what he does. Eventually, you will receive more than you can hold, and you'll be able to give to those around you. This is the overflowing life of the beloved child of God. Father, before I think of my agenda, my tasks, my responsibilities, I sit in your presence to receive. I'm not ashamed to admit that I need everything that you have for me today. Pour it over me. Then, by your grace, I will go out and give to those in need around me. So good. Thanks, Joe. So describe uh, what was happening that inspired this, Lee. <laughs> so, uh, so my uh, my daughter and their family live up in Minnesota, uh, and they live on a lake. They just moved on to a lake. So river, uh, oh, let's go swim, babe. Let's go swim. So we go out there, and, uh, man, they were having a heat wave. I was up there a few weeks ago. It was 99 degrees in June in Minnesota, and she wants to go out to the lake, you know. So I sit in her little chair, and she, start, she starts doing this thing to my knee with sand and water <laughs> and I was I was I have to admit I mean I love her so much but I was going how do I get out of here how do I put her back into the hands of her mommy right now <laughs> right and then I yeah. realized this is what God does he's so patient with us our little small human things must seem so small to his huge mind and and yet he's so patient and he stays with us in our moments like that so uh i thought well i can do this a little longer with my granddaughter uh following yeah. god's example with me i've often wondered and contemplated why god describes himself as father in the bible right because uh that, that's rife with yeah. pros and cons for those that haven't had a great father figure or their father has left them or abused them or anything that, that becomes really complicated, really convoluted for someone who says, well, if God's my father, you know, that I've got some reservations about that. Right. But Steve, right. my friend who I also podcast with, he says, what I try to tell people in those situations is it's not the father that you have. It's the father that you always dreamed of. It's the father that you always wanted or the father that you 
would want to be if you if you aren't a father or were or when you start becoming a father, it's the father that you imagine, right? The one that is strong, that has all the answers, that's super patient and kind. And I thought, you know what? There is something in all of us. We can imagine what that's like, no matter how much we've either been disappointed by our father or if we've disappointed ourselves in be being a father, we still know what a great father would be like. And I thought that really does help inform my perception of God as father. Yeah. And I've uh, discovered that it's a reciprocal kind of a thing because uh, when I don't, well, as, as a dad, when I'm trying to figure out what how, what should I do in this situation, I'll look to I'll, I'll look to what I know about God from the Bible, and um, and He's the I consider Him the ultimate parent, and so I go that okay, God would do that. You know, I look at the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Sometimes, just in a nutshell, that's the character of God the Father. On the other hand, sometimes I read something in the Bible and go, "God, why did you do that?" And then I think, "Well, what what would what does a good father do?" And I go, "Oh, now it makes sense. He's parenting. You know, he's parenting the children of Israel. Sometimes when God gets mean and and bears his bears his teeth, and it's because he's protecting his beloved family. And and people have a lot of questions about that. Like, well, how could God do that? Well, a father." A father can get really angry when you're threatening his family. Fatherhood, when you look at God, and God, when you look at fatherhood, has really helped me. Yeah. I can't help but think of the song, The Things We Do For Love, right? The things we do for love, like walking in the rain and the snow and there's nowhere to go. Right? And you think about when you really do love somebody, whether it's your child or the person that you're dating, the person you're engaged to, your spouse, early, at least early on in marriage, right? That you're willing to do and go anywhere and do anything. And I love that concept that you've applied that to God, our Father, that you're right, there's, there's nothing He needs from me. There's nothing I can give Him to to impress Him or, you know, to add to His greatness. Um, and he's, he's fine with that. He's like, yeah, I know that. I knew that going into this joke. Right? It doesn't surprise me. I'm the one who's got everything to give. And you, you called it condescending love. Some people would call it unconditional love. But why did you choose that word? I know you choose your words very carefully. Why did you describe this love from God as condescending love, which sometimes well, has a negative uh, connotation? Yeah, in English, we, we use it mostly in a negative way. But actually, uh, kind of in, in religious and theological circles, condescension describes what uh, really, more specifically, what Jesus did when he left uh, uh, in Philippians 2, it talks about how he's equal with the Father and he releases all his prerogatives so that he can take on human form, lower himself down to the, to the lowest place, becomes one of us, dies at our hands and literally descends into hell, you know? So that's uh, that literally is condescension, and that's what God does. His relationship to us is basically defined by Him stooping down and always reaching down to us because we can't get up to Him. So He comes right. down to us. Condescension. Yeah. Wow, that's really good. That's that really defines redefines the word for me because, you know, we have uh, changed that word to becoming, you know, person who's arrogant or who looks down on somebody. They're being condescending. That's really not, that's not God at all, right. though. When God looks at us, even though he could, he's certainly got the position where he could be the negative version of condescending because he is God and we're not. Instead, 
he turns condescension on its head, even as as God does, turns it or turns it right side up. And says, <laughs> "Okay, I've, I've I've got all the power. I've got all the resources. I've got all the answers. You've got nothing to give. I'm going to de- demonstrate. This is what love really is. It's letting go, like you said, letting go of my prerogatives, my rights, my glory, my whatever, and just coming down to your level and say, "Hey, you can't make it up to me, but I can help you. I can get you there." Amazing. That's right. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Absolutely is. Yeah, man, when I, I think about parenting, even as I go back to the early days of parenting when, you know, you, you got zero sleep and the baby's crying again and, you know, the diapers are dirty again and the dishes are piling up and you're thinking, if anybody had described this to me, I would have run the other direction, right? This, if this is what parenting is, I don't know if I could even handle it. Uh, and I think in, in my my limited parenting, my ability to get through that, right? I didn't give up. I didn't say, okay, you're on your own. I know you're only three months old, but sorry, I'm done. You're going to do it on your own, right? So even my ability to push through that tendency to just want to give up and want to quit, I mean, it, it parenting can test you, as any parent would say, way beyond you ever thought you could ever get there. And then I think, man, you just um, blow that up about a zillion times and realize how many times I've tested God's patience and yet he's never failed. His patience has never run out. Yeah. I'm telling you what, man, when you become a parent, it's just, it's just like an almost immediate, an an immediate window into the mind of God. Like like you said, in a, in a very small way, but you start to understand how one-sided this all is really you know you see all, all the way through the old testament that god's up there going hang they're, they're they're not keeping their or into the promise all right i'll keep both sides of the promise then you know it, it's like that's what that's what a parent does when the when the kid falls short they go well i'm the adult here i'm gonna have to make the make up the difference and and that's just a picture of what god is constantly doing i've heard this the analogy of when God's love for us, when you're teaching your kid to walk, you know, you never know how long it's going to take for, for a kid to learn how to walk. Some, some walk really quickly and some it takes months, but you don't ever hear a parent saying, all right, that's taken long enough. Just forget it. Don't just stop walking. Right. I, I don't, I'm not going to help you anymore. I guess you're just not going to get it. No, no parent does that. No matter whether you're a great parent or a bad parent, you know that in time, if you stick with, the child and support them long enough eventually they're going to learn to walk and i just love that god's perspective is one that he doesn't just give up on us and say oh you're never going to get it i wipe my hands move on right uh and two he believes and so it helps me believe that if i just stick with it and keep trying and keep reaching up to those hands right the dad's hands and i grab onto his fingers and little by little i will get stronger right i will learn to walk and and i just and then i see god's joy you know in my mind i see god's joy going okay you got it You, you can do this right i'm with you you can do this i don't want people to miss out on what's being said here and this is god intentionally chose to describe himself as father in the Bible. And, you know, that comes with a rich idea of how much he loves us, that he's so patient with us. And that uh, as our viewer, John Wyrow wrote, the next time you lose patience with your own kid, think about how much patience God has had with you. When we lose patience with ourselves, 
God doesn't. When we lose patience with others, God doesn't. Why? Because he is patient. He is kind. Remember, God is love, and love is patient. That's the first description in Corinthians. Love, or you could put the word God in there, is patient. Love is kind. God is kind, right? He's slow to anger, abounding in love. His, his grace is, the, is his first choice, right? And in fact, when we had no hope, when we had... When we were God's enemy, the Bible says Christ died for us because he wants a relationship with his kids. That's what a dad would do, right? A real committed dad, a dad who loves his kids unconditionally would give anything for them, including his life. So I, it's obviously it's no coincidence that the language of father is the one that's chosen. And it gets a lot of criticism, right, that that's paternal and it's, you know, it's all about the male dominance and all that. I don't see that at all, right? In fact, if you do overlay God over First Corinthians and you use that as your description of God, God is patient, God is kind, God is, you know, all those things. It's not a male or female thing. It's just a God thing. But God described himself as Father so that we can see that he's always there for us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's thrilled, in fact, to just hold out his fingers, his fingertips, so that we can hang on, grab onto them, and learn how to walk in this life. God's thrilled when we, we become more and more able to do the things that the Bibles ask us to do, to, to, to follow him without having to be like led one little step at a time. The Bible says that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond which we are able. He will only give us what we can handle. And so I've heard this prayer like, God, I believe that you won't give me more than I can handle. I just wish you didn't trust me quite so much. Right? Because, <laughs> the, <laughs> because the more God trusts me, the more, right, the more he allows me the, these trials and temptations. Life seems to get harder as we go as opposed to get easier. And I think we have this sense that, well, well if I get better at something, then shouldn't it get easier, right? Why does life seem to just get more and more hard the, the older that we get and more wrinkly, I think is what you're saying too. I, yeah, I did. I did mention wrinkles because that's really relevant to me right now. And I, I you know, I watched my parents uh, pass, pass on into eternity. And then, and then you realize when your parents go, you realize, wow, I'm, I'm next in line, you know, so right. you start thinking, right. you start thinking about old age and, and it's, in, in some ways it's kind of sucky and, and it just, uh, you know, we don't get more energy. We don't get more beautiful. It goes in the opposite direction. And I'm going, God, why? You're good. Why does life go bad? And, and I, he really helped me to understand that he's preparing us for the next life. And those levels of difficulty are maturing us because he doesn't want heaven to be populated with a bunch of whiny babies. You know, uh, as patient as he is, he would love to walk with friends. Jesus said at a certain point in, the, in his disciples' lives, you know, hey guys, you've gotten to the point now that I'm going to call you friends. And that's, I, I really think that that's part of his purpose for us. So it gives a redemptive purpose to the pain and suffering that we go through in life. This is getting me somewhere where I'm supposed to be. Wow, that's so good. I mean, you hear that a lot where a parent, if I have this epiphany where I'm no longer parenting, you know, in a condescending, in a good way, but now my kids have grown up and they are 
they are contributing as much to the conversation as I am, and we have become best friends. And yeah. you know, I'm I'm not at that stage yet, but I think even some of your kids, you probably get to that place where you talk to them more as peers or as or as friends than uh, as parent to child. Is that right? That is absolutely right. In fact, uh, some days I get, I feel like I get better advice from them than I give to them now. You know, and th and that's where the parallel breaks down is that God will always be infinitely more intelligent than us. You know, but uh, but we get to yeah we get to do we get to grow in in our relationship with Him and and it, it just gets better and better in that sense. Yeah. One of the other words that jumped off the page uh, in your God moments was, I use this word reciprocity, a word the love now, is it isn't reciprocal because I have nothing that God needs or wants uh, it's because God brings it all to the table. But I, the reason this word jumped off the page is that I, I heard this um, story, and I think it was about Henry Now, and if not Dallas Willard, but one of the great modern theologians describing his relationship with his wife uh, and towards the very end of her life she had dementia and uh, her health was deteriorating and he would go visit her each day and she had nothing to, to give anymore she didn't even recognize him in fact and sometimes he she was upset that he even came to the room who are you and what are you doing here this is his love of his life for most of his life right and so his friends would say why do you even do that? She doesn't recognize you. She's obviously not contributing anything to your life. And he says, that's just the point. This is the best love that we've ever had. And they're like, what are you talking about? He says, this is the first time in our marriage that our love isn't based on a transaction. I'm not giving to her to get anything back. She has nothing to give back. And so now, finally, my love for her is what I should have been doing all along. It's just the pure love that's not based on reciprocity. Uh, tell me more about your thought about reciprocity there and how you built that into your story. That's right. And, and I love the fact that you used the word transaction because uh, in the in the world's culture and, you know, in our natural culture, that's how our relationships are based on is transaction. I give, I'll give you something and then I need to get some value back. But when when Jesus entered the world and, and brought this concept of grace into the world, it completely, as you as you like to say, turned everything upside down. And now it's not transactionally based. And so God sends this endless flow of love into our lives, expecting nothing back, needing nothing back from us. And now our best way of living is to let that flow through us to other people. That's really how we show our love back to him. The best is letting his love flow through us and to uh, to the other people that he loves it's no longer a transaction it's a flow i'm so glad you used the word flow this word comes up a lot in self-improvement literature and videos where they say you know if you discipline yourself enough and you keep doing the next right thing it goes from a drudgery or a or a, a discipline which seems like something hard eventually it changes it, it morphs into a delight and I, I even hear this in the Psalms where the psalmist is like railing against God. Why is things so bad? How long, right? The U2 song, how long to sing the song, right? Psalm 40. And then they reflect on the goodness of God. And at the end, it definitely is. And yet will I praise you, right? Or, or you're great. Or I love you, God. Or great is your faithfulness or something like that. Yeah. And I think that this is that flow state that you're talking about. If you get stuck in the drudgery of it and you don't push past that, 
then it's never going to be enjoyable. You're never going to be motivated to stick with it, right? And you've lost out on sticking with it on a consistent basis to where someday, and you don't know when it's going to come. You can't predict it. There's no formula for it. But suddenly you're in the flow. You even hear this from athletes who say, you know, I practiced my free throws 3,000 times a day or I stayed two hours after the game to practice, 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 so that when the game time comes, when it really matters, when when there's something on the line, I'm not thinking about the mechanics of whatever my sport I'm in. I'm in the flow. It's just it's just coming through me, flowing through me. People understand what that means, and I love that you've applied this to our relationship with God. But God isn't asking it to come into us so that we can give it back to him. He doesn't, he doesn't need it, right? He's got this endless unlimited resource he's giving to us to let it flow through us so we get to be in the flow and we get to be part of the flow now this is this is more of an invitation right to something greater than we've ever experienced not just to be the receiver which is awesome right that god would even pour it out on me but he pours out so much i can't contain it and then it splashes out on the people around me if i embrace that idea rather than just trying to hoard it right i'm trying to keep it all to myself if i open up my arms or my bucket or whatever it is uh and i let that flow out then i I, not only do i receive the blessing but i get to give it as well so the bible says it's better to give than to receive he actually invites us to do both yeah and now we're on to something joe this is a, a transformative thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna apply it now to marriage, and this is worth like thousands of dollars if people want to start sending contributions. This is like, this is really no, this is for free actually, and not even a part of what we we're talking about for Father's Day. But what happens with marriages is we tend to look at them transactionally. I'll do. In fact, I've, I've heard it said, you know, marriage is a 50-50 thing, uh, and so I come in going, I'll do my 50%. And if Cindy does her 50%, then we'll do it. The problem is we're humans and we never we never are able to do our part, you know. So I end up doing 27%, she ends up doing 32%. And now there's this gap in the middle where we just it's just not happening, you know. And so when like when I come into a marriage transactionally and I think Cindy gets half the closet, I get half the closet. Um it ain't gonna work because she likes clothes and she's she needs 80 percent of the closet so there have been times you know when i come into the closet and i see that she's gone past the line you know by 32 percent, and i go and i just go and i shove all her clothes over to the side and wrinkle them all up that that whole idea that it's going to be reciprocal and that it's going to be 50 50 and even it dooms us you know but what if i come in and say I, I get everything I need from God and I'm here to give and if she and, and if she can give back to me that's awesome but I'm here to give and what if she comes into the marriage in that same way now we don't have a 30% gap in the middle now we're overflowing and there's more than enough that's the stuff of a really fun and awesome marriage that's awesome in fact I, I've heard this uh, this idea expanded in terms of balance versus harmony so we think of terms of justice, right? And, and especially in relationships, we want to make sure that we give as much as we receive, this reciprocity idea. And you can, you can view it in terms of the scales of justice. You want it to be equal on both sides so that it's balance. Balance is what we're after. And balance is a good thing. I'm not, I'm not putting balance down at all. But in a relationship, really what we don't want is balance. What we want is harmony. And here's how that works. When you're in an orchestra and you've got 400-piece orchestra or even a 100-piece orchestra, and you're sitting out in the audience 
all the instruments don't play 100% all the time. Or all you'd have was just this big wall of sound, this massive sound. You wouldn't have any contrast. You wouldn't have any texture. You wouldn't have this place where you enjoy it. And it'd just be uh, just all the time. And I know this as a trumpet player. There's many times when I sat in the orchestra and I spent, you know, 82 bars just counting beats. 82, 2, 3, 4, 84, 2, 3. I wasn't playing anything. But then when my time came to shine, you know, I got this solo and it provided a completely different style and texture. And and I see, see now God is this conductor where he's got infinite orchestra and we all have different talents and abilities. We have different ways to shine. And sometimes he's like, okay, just hold on. Not yet. And everybody else is playing over here. And we get all anxious about that, right? Well, when, when do I get to play? When do I get to do my thing? And then God has the oboe do something and then the bassoon and then everybody's playing. And then when it comes to the big time, you know, where here's the crescendo. Boom! And when everybody plays, it just blows your hair back when you're in the audience and you get this epiphany that goes through your body. But I thought this is such a better illustration of how God works and how life can work in relationships is that it's not a 50-50 thing where we're trying to find balance. It's harmony. And that means sometimes I'm silent and sometimes I'm loud, but all together we create this beautiful symphony. I see like there's three major epochs in humanity. There was first the law of the jungle, where the bigger person, you know, like the cavemen, like I'm, I'm bigger, I've got a bigger club, I beat you over the head and I win. I get to eat all of the dinosaur now and I get the woman kind of a thing, you know. And then God said, this is violent. You know, he looked over the time of of Noah and, and the thing that bothered him about humanity was the violence and the, you know, the, in, the inequity of it. And so he brought the law which the law said, no, if, if you poke out my eye, I get to poke out your eye, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. What an improvement that was. The, the transactional aspect of it transformed humanity and made it just and fair. But uh, then through time, we, uh, you know, we realized we still need something better because we're still so broken. Justice isn't the ideal either. So that's when God came and brought grace and brought this idea of, of flowing. He's going to pour his endless resources into us. And when we get into the zone, it starts to flow through us, you know, and that's, that's the epoch that we're in now. We call it the time of grace, the dispensation of grace. If we can decide to enter into that, it's the best way to live. That's really good. As you're talking, I'm thinking of humanity or the history of humanity. If you could imagine all of that as one person, right? God's the father and and humanity is the child. And of course, we're going to start out with not having any clue how to live, barely walk, right? We can't feed ourselves. So God's really involved in that, right? And then we get to the point where we're like eight, nine, 10, maybe teenagers. And now it's like, everything's about me, right? Me, mine, 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 mine. And we want to hoard it. And then, like you said, we fight with each other to get our resources, to make sure that we get our resources and that we survive, right? It's all about me. And <laughs> and then thankfully God doesn't leave us there, right? He, then he keeps bringing us, nudging us towards maturity and giving us the example. There is a better way. The problem with many of us is we get arrested development, emotionally and spiritually speaking, where we just get stuck in the me, mine area, right? In, in that second epoch you're talking about. And God's saying, all right, let's move ahead. Let's move on. Let's grow, right? Let's mature to the point where 
your mindset changes from this scarcity thing where you're, you're afraid you're going to run out of resources. So I got to get everything, even at your expense. God says, no, nope, that's, that's not the way I created it. I created it with abundance. Yeah, I've heard people call this the abundance mindset. I even think it's an infinite mindset. If you really tap into the resources of God, because there's no limit of what he can provide, what he can create, what he wants to give, right? He freely, he gives. And so as Jesus said, freely you've received. So now freely give. And like you said, don't give it back to God. He doesn't need it. Give it to the world around you who desperately needs the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and all the things that are the fruits of the Spirit of God that he's pouring into you so that then you can let it flow to the world around you. So even in the meta narrative of humanity, we're still this child. God's our father and he's helping us to walk and then to run and then to fly. You know, one day we're going to fly. I really believe that. Yeah, you nailed it right there. It is the story of humanity, and it is the story of individuals. That I have the, as a parent, as a father, I, I have the McDonald's French fry principle. So, uh, you know, when you, when you have three kids, when they're little, you get a you get some French fries, and they fight over them. They they pull each other's hair and stuff. I want you know that I want the French fries. So finally, you have to come down with equity and justice, and you have to get three small fries, right? And so now everybody gets along. But eventually, it's beautiful when you can get one large fry and they can share. They can say, oh, here's, I know you like the crispy one, so here's a crispy one for you. And that's the most beautiful thing in parenting is when they can share a large order of fries in a peaceful, harmonious manner. That's God's goal for us. And that's God's goal for his people as a, as a, as a community. Yeah. In essence, there is something that we can give back to God. And that is a reflection of him to loving others, right? We receive the grace and then we give it out. And then that's our gift back to God is by paying it forward. Right? That's the idea. And that's what pleases him. That's what pleases any dad. You got it. And you're doing it on your own. And whoo, go team, right? I just that's right. It. Absolutely. In spite of the technical difficulties, it's been an amazing discussion as, as always. And I want to thank Lee for his time and for his transparency and vulnerability. I think one thing that fathers generally don't do very well probably because of the way we're raised and the culture that we're in is to be transparent and vulnerable because it seems like a sign of weakness but we're finding out not only through our own experience but even through the science and through some really great wise people who are writing the stuff out and, and observing it that vulnerability actually is a strength that it's in our points of weakness in our admission of those where we really connect as humans that's that's where people can identify with who you are and what you've done and then take great courage from it and so i want to thank you lee for for modeling that for me and for any of those who have tuned in to all you fathers out there who who you may feel like you know what i i've blown it too many times and i it's irreparable but we have a god who says that it's never irreparable right i i can fix anything i save to the uttermost the bible would say uttermost means there is no there's nobody that's beyond fixing nobody nobody beyond loving and so i just want to encourage you that it's never too late to make changes and and they're hard at first they're messy in the middle but it's a, they are beautiful in the end and i also want to say to the listeners who either they didn't have a great father or their father left them or their father passed away early in their life and they just feel like this void for what father should have been for you god is available 
and wants to fill that role. He wants to parent you in the best possible sense, in, in the way you would imagine what a perfect dad would be. He's that and more. And he's got these unlimited resources for you that he wants to share with you, not just for your own benefit, but so that you can then be in that flow and share it with uh, all those around you. Absolutely. So on behalf of Joe McCarthy and Lee Free, which, uh, as we have said earlier on, I am Hoser and he is Hemi. <laughs> Bob and Doug McKenzie revisited. God, your father loves you with an everlasting love. Just open yourself to those possibilities and see what what could happen. Pay it forward, people. Pay it forward. Lee, you got a prayer for, for the people? Absolutely. Father, thank you that we can call you that. And thank you that uh, Jesus, when he, when he came and he, he set the example of how we should live, that is how he addressed you and taught us to address you his father the most intimate connection almost humanly possible really and we get to have that with you god i'm gonna ask you as a father man i fall so short so many times even as an as a parent of adults and i just ask you that you would pour out your grace on me and i pray for fathers this morning who just feel kind of at their wits end they feel like they don't know what to do and uh, they're out of gas and uh, everybody's crying and upset at them pour out your grace on them god when we receive your grace then it can eventually flow through us and i just pray that our listeners would have grace families where your grace flows into them and through them and out oh god in jesus name thank you for your grace father amen amen so I encourage you all to uh, go in God's grace to serve him. And that's what you can give back by paying it forward. If this episode was beneficial to you, be sure to pay it forward, sharing it with others who may need a boost as well. Until next time, dream big, start small, act now. Thank you for tuning in.